one, how well I did academically, and then also second would be like the number of accomplishments. Oh, I've held this position. Oh, I've done this. Oh, I've been involved with this. Then they're like, okay, the more that I can write on a piece of paper the things that I've accomplished, so I put a lot of my identity in that. From societal norms to language and growth opportunities, living abroad has so much to offer that it opens our eyes to not only another reality, but to our own. Hi, I'm Shan. I'm Hannah, and welcome to Malaysians Abroad Podcast, where we will explore all diverse experiences, insights, and opinions of Malaysians who have lived abroad. Hey everyone! In today's episode, we have an open conversation with a recent STEM master's grad, Megan, and her take on common stereotypes and expectations seen in Malaysia. She shares her journey of self-reflection and growth. Coming from a background of basing her self-worth on her academic performance, she opens up about the challenges she faced to reach where she currently is now after having spent six years in the US. We loved hearing her take on prioritizing her overall well-being and hope you'll enjoy this episode too. So Megan, welcome to the podcast. We're so excited to have you here. Could you tell us more about yourself? Yeah, so thank you for having me. I'm Megan. I'm originally from Selangor. I came here to the US in 2015 uh, to study food science in Oregon State University. So I graduated back in 2019 with my bachelor's degree and then decided to continue on with school. So I Three months after finishing my bachelor's, I started my master's degree, which I actually just completed like three weeks ago. Congratulations. Congrats. So now being a fresh master's grad, I am just chilling and waiting to see what happens next. Nice. Right. Can I ask, why did you decide to study abroad? And maybe you can also share your journey in getting to the U.S.? Yeah, so actually after I finished SPM, I was also, I guess like everyone trying to figure out like, okay, what's next? What should I do? And then I did apply for A-levels in Taylor's University at Sunway University and got scholarships. Like, okay, that's cool. I got got like an offer, but, you know, I just didn't really feel right. And Mm -hmm. there was one career fair that I attended and I saw this lady wearing a shirt with like the Intu logo. So then I walked up to her and asked more. And she was saying, okay, we're like an agency that helps, uh, I guess, international students start university in the US. And it's like a transitional program where you take about a year of English classes. I knew I wanted to pursue science, but not medical, not engineering. And mm-hmm. my that brought up like oh have you did you look into this course called food science which I think is not really that common in Malaysia Mm. and looked up the Wikipedia page for it and read like okay it's like learning the science behind food I thought you know I like food I like science this yeah sure why not (laughs) so then doing this um going through the into program and then like decided from freshman year onwards that, yeah, I'm just going to study food science at 
have not looked back. I see. So you mentioned, and sorry, just to, to clarify for our listeners, this INTO program, it sounds like it's a transitional program that can replace um, the typical pathways that university students take in Malaysia. Sometimes there's things like ADP and AUP. So this INTO program is a one-year program that allows you to take English classes and core classes in a U.S. university that also serves as your first year there. So you can go there right after SPM versus doing like a two plus two program or something like that with a local university in Malaysia. Oh, cool. I was actually wondering what that INTO program is. Mm -hmm. So if you sign on to the INTO program, mm -hmm. is it spelled I-N-T-O? Mm -hmm. oh, okay, so if you sign on to it, you immediately start your first year in the U.S. already, is it? Yeah, so that kind of counts as your first year. And the nice thing is all the credits that you get or that, yeah, that you get through the INTO program actually is applicable towards your course or like your degree credit requirement, mm -hmm. at least oh. in my case. Okay, cool. Thanks. So how would you describe your experience and your university life in the U.S.? When I first went to Corvallis, Oregon, back in 2015, I was surprised by how empty <laughs> it was because I always imagined, oh, you go to the U.S., it's all like there's so many people and everyone's all like wild and like happy, happy. Like, yeah. But when I came here, it was actually during spring break, so I didn't really bump into anyone. Actually, I would say I didn't really have that much of a culture shock. Like, I feel like I blended in pretty well. I think people here are very friendly. I, I actually had culture shock the first time that I went back to Malaysia. Because here, whenever I would go to the grocery stores or any shop, once once you're done making your transaction, you'll say, okay, thank you. Mm -hmm. Have a nice day. But I think that's not that common in Malaysia. So the first time I went back, bought my stuff from the grocery store, I'm like, okay, thank you. Have a nice day. And then the cashier just looked at me like, uh, why why is she saying that to me? <laughs> <laughs> I think it's a good experience. It's uh, learned a lot, met a lot of people that I learned a lot from. So what are some of the things that you learned? Firstly, it's okay to fail. Like fail, fa failing or failure is how you learn and how you improve. One failure doesn't mean that you are a failure. The second big thing that I learned is it's okay to ask people for help. You know, and like nobody knows every single thing. So this was something that I learned during my graduate program where I thought like, okay, since now I'm a master's student, I must know all these things. I'm like one level up from bachelor's degree. For quite a few months when I was working on one of my research projects, I just kept hitting a wall like this is not working, but it should work. And I, I really don't know why it's not working till I sat down with my professor and was like, I don't know what to do. And she's like, okay, just bring this up during our whole lab group meeting and then we'll all try and figure it out together. Another thing that I, my professor shared was like, yeah, although she's a professor, she's, she's still learning from me, which I thought, like, why? Why are you, you're the professor, you know everything. She's like, I don't mm. know everything. Like you are the quote, quote, master of this topic. That was mind blowing. Like, oh yeah. <laughs> Can I ask something? Because, I mean, um, from the way that you're describing it, you sound pleasantly surprised that your professor was also, like, kind of unsure, even though she is a professor, right? Mm -hmm. Is this something 
like the, the opposite mindset of that? Has it, is it something that has been ingrained into you as um, a student in Malaysia? Yeah, I think growing up, like whatever questions I had for, I mean, we were always like told, oh, don't question the teacher, like the teacher knows things. And then I remember in primary school also, sometimes I would see like, oh, the teacher is making, they, they wrote something wrong. And then I would just like, teacher, I think you don't, I think that might be wrong, but they'll just say, no, don't question me. So, mm-hmm. so to me, obviously, that was maybe a slight error, but then the teacher just coming off as like, no, everything I say is right. So the image of a teacher in Malaysia is just like, I, whatever I say is true and I know everything. So don't, don't question me. Mm, I see. Like doing some self-reflecting with like asking for help. Maybe reflecting back, there might have been some situations or occurrences where I'm like, okay, I'm really stuck. And then would seek out a teacher to ask like, I don't really know. I don't understand how to do this. And mm-hmm. like, how come you don't know this? So, mm. so then like, oh gosh, I don't know. I guess, okay, I guess I have to go figure it out on my own. So then like, I feel like, always feel like, okay, I need to go and figure things out first. And like, I should know this kind of mindset, which is not very good. Mm. So do you think that there was that expectation put on you by people in your school? Mm. Yeah, definitely. There's that expectation of doing, of performing excellently. Because mm-hmm. I, I think I do pretty okay, like academically. Yeah, I can like study. Yeah, I think I can do okay academically, but also not like straight A plus student. Mm-hmm. But since I was young, I always felt like I felt because people kept telling me like, you can, you can, you can, you can get this straight A plus. It's okay. You you can get hundred percent. I you yeah whenever even when I get like like a 95% on the test I know my parents do this jokingly they'll say like what happened to the 5% so now even (laughs) so now even in my like college life whenever I I get like 89% for a test like oh no (laughs) that was that was not good. It was an 89%. Till I like overhear some of my classmates that say, like, oh, it's nice. I got 75. Perfect. <laughs> like, oh yeah. my god, how? Okay, okay. Yeah. I, something I learned also from my friend in college's life. It's not just about your grades and your GPA. <laughs> Would you then say that your identity in a sense was rooted in the fact that oh, I need to perform well, I'm this A score in my academics, or like my worth is based on my academic performance and how well I do there? Yeah, I think so. (laughs) I think one, how well I did academically, and then also second would be like the number of accomplishments, oh, I've held this position, oh, I've done this, or I've been involved with this. Then they're like, okay, the more that I can write on a piece of paper, the things that I've accomplished I feel like I put a lot of my identity in that and then also I think throughout my undergrad also that was kind of what I s- strived to do it was only only towards the end of my graduate degree when my my my, my professor was saying like 
No, just just because someone achieved that doesn't mean that you need to do that too. That's going to be such a stressful life because you're going to achieve something, and then you're not going to sell. You're going you're not going to take the time to celebrate that win. You're just going to like okay, I'm done with this. What's I need to I need to do the next thing. I need to accomplish the next thing because otherwise I feel empty. Hmm. Thank you for being vulnerable and sharing that. I know it takes courage to come on air and talk about something as personal as identity. So we really appreciate you being so open with us today. Yeah, I think there is like definitely a lot of pressure um, that, that is placed on Malaysian students or I guess just in the Asian community. Mm-hmm. Primary school, since secondary school, they, they focus too much on academics, right? Like, you know, just, just study for the exams. Mm-hmm. And it's definitely, um, I think it's a, it's a flaw in our Malaysian education system because not, not everybody is academically inclined, mm-hmm. you know? Okay. Yeah. Not to say that it's wrong mm-hmm. if you are, like, focusing on, on academics. But then to just have that, it's just not a healthy um, um, way of, like developing children so when you're when you're talking about this I can just remember all the the years in primary and secondary school with Hannah we were both very close but we both had like our different strengths Hannah was really good with um, the arts she was very good at music choir acting whereas I was very very focused on studying and like getting getting higher scores in in the class but then for some reason, I also felt kind of like inadequate because I didn't have all the other parts developed, you know. And then when I went to Japan, I saw all the kids at least having one sport or one like co-curricular activity that they were really good at. Mm. Yeah, so I think it's really just like the, the country punya education system that kind of places the expectations and the pressure on the students. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. That's a good point. So I think you touched a little bit on this about this perspective shift during your masters and and that it was there anything else that contributed to this change in your mindset like that the the change that you know you don't have to just be an A scorer all the time and it's okay to not excel at every single thing you put your hands to academically. Yeah, I think maybe at one point like just putting all that pressure on myself to be the best and like, okay, I've achieved this. I need to achieve more. I just give me more to like write down. It's also very exhausting. It's very tiring. If you, I feel like for me, if I keep having that mindset of like, I need to get more, I need to get more, I'll never be satisfied because mm. there's always something more that, oh, this so-and-so achieved this, that means I can achieve that too. Yeah, that was another, that was another mindset that was not very healthy. Because one of my colleagues in the lab, she's a PhD student for like one and a half years of my master's degree. I kept like comparing myself to her. Like, oh, she's so smart. She can do this. Why can't I do that? I, I should be able to do that too. Until mm-hmm. like everyone around me was saying, she's a PhD student. You're a master's student. It's it's very different. You really need to stop comparing yourself to her. Like sometimes I have to okay, take a step back and pause and like look back. You know, I've actually done quite a few things. I think I've accomplished accomplished 
quite a lot. Taking so, time to just like be proud of those little wins. Yeah. Would you say that that's like a, one of the differences between the Malaysian and American culture where maybe not all of Malaysia, but you know, so happened that the environment you were brought up in is like pushing you to always strive for the next best thing and cannot rest. I think, yeah, having the exposure to the environment or I guess ed- education system in the US uh, was more laid back. And yeah, although but during my undergrad time, I like, okay, I'll try and like do more things. It was not so much like, okay, I must get like a 4.0 GPA while being like honors and all that stuff, but more like, okay, what can I, what to do things to be more maybe well-rounded. Yeah, so focusing more on that holistic aspect yeah. versus just academic and like... Yeah, the more, the more laid-back culture in the US and also, yeah, the, the American education system of being... Because, you know, like in US, you have all your back core subjects. So even if I'm a food science major, I take... I've taken classes in like sociology and like geography, even though it has nothing to do at all with my major, but I thought it was kind of fun learning like geography in the non-Western world and then like all these other uh, subjects. Whereas I think in the UK education system, it's more you learn solely what your major is on. Like if you were to do Mm -hmm. design, all your classes were just like, design-focused. Yeah. yeah, I agree. I think that really gives you exposure to other things as well. And in another episode, we talked about how like the American education system allows you to switch majors halfway mm-hmm. as well if you find something that maybe piqued your interest or something like that that you weren't originally there for. Mm-hmm. So do you think that the Malaysian education system could be improved to reflect more holistic education? Yeah, I think... I. I'm not sure how it's being done now in secondary school, but I know when I was in secondary school, it was very academic focused and there was always that saying like, oh, you're, if you're smart, you go to the science stream and then if you go yeah. stream, it means you're not so smart. But if everyone goes to the science stream, who's going to run? Who's going to do business? Who's going to make all like the art stuff? Like we need, like I think going through pandemic, you see the importance of not just science field. Yes, science is important to for like technology advancement, but the amount of artistic media that I've consumed, like I think that is so important. And then art also plays such important part, like conveying. I mean, like all those visuals and design. You see a billboard with like terrible graphics like that's not gonna attract you no matter how good your product is like let me see or uh, even if some let's say someone is smart too but if science is not what they're passionate for why should they waste their time to pursue that and then not feel happy when they if something else is more interesting to them to invest that energy better yeah i agree i remember after PMR, like my school had this thing where if you scored a certain amount of A's for PMR, you would automatically be asked to go to the science stream. Because exactly what you said, like that 
that stereotype that oh not that I was smart but <laughs> I scored a good amount of A's for them to be like oh you should go to the science stream but I really wanted to do arts like I'm an art I, I, can't, I think of myself as something of someone who is more artistic and so I said I want to go into the pure art stream and all of my teachers were like why you want to go to the bad class why you want to go to yeah that's such a terrible like narrative of like the the different fields yeah so it sounds like even though you were in the science stream and pushed to perform academically you're now more focused on that holistic growth like my my turning point of just like no I don't need to get like 100% for everything like just because that path was what someone else did doesn't mean that I also should follow that path because at one point I like was so stressed out so mentally emotionally exhausted that like hit the bottom went to seek for help and then just did some self-reflection thinking like okay, what brought this on? Where, why am I putting this pressure on myself? And I feel like ever, ever since then, I mean, I still need to work on it a little bit or not a little bit, like still need to work on it quite a bit. So like, firstly, not compare myself to what other people do. And then secondly, like, okay, the expectation of you graduate from college and then you need to go to work immediately right like okay you spend so much money now go and make money and then just mm-hmm. work, 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 work. and then <laughs> yeah so my my decision to like okay once I'm done with my master's it's gonna like take two to three months and not worry or not stressed out about like oh I must find a job right now but just like take some time to relax and take a break after actually doing a graduate degree during the pandemic is it's a little challenging but managed to do it yeah good job yeah it's it's a great accomplishment yeah I can't imagine it must have been super challenging well anyway you you have just mentioned that after um, you're done with your master's, you just graduated and you just want to chill and relax. Yeah. And, um, you know, I think you mentioned that you're moving back to Malaysia. Mm-hmm. But many people expect students, you know, once they go abroad, they will probably continue to stay abroad there, yeah. find a job, um, settle down, but doesn't sound like that's part of your plan. Yeah. So can you tell us why you are planning to move back to Malaysia? Yeah, actually, when I, yeah, when I first started school here, my plan back then was, okay, let's finish the degree, uh, extend the student visa to allow me to work for a few years and then go back to school and then do, extend the visa again to work a few more years and then eventually maybe settle down or move back. So, the, the thought was just prolong or extend the stay for as long as I can. Mm. And then after I finished my bachelor's, I got the opportunity to continue on and do a master's. So I did that. And then actually it was mostly like events, I guess events that happened this year, mm. thinking about 
a lot mostly like social issues firstly uh that was one factor that made me decide to go back and then secondly thinking about it for a while yeah the thought or most people would say why don't you stay there a few years to gain working experience but i feel like you work here and you work in malaysia it's still working experience it's still the same number of years maybe the pay is a little bit different but you work in the us you pay us dollar and then you work in malaysia you pay malaysian ringgit so is there really like is one really like worth more than the other mm -hmm. so that was the second factor and then third one i think like after almost it's one and a half years of going like pandemic i'm like okay i think it's like realizing like family really means a lot to me so just wanting to go back and spend more time with family because like seeing the news of the number of firstly number of cases going up and down and number of deaths it's like life is so short and you don't know what's going to happen mm -hmm. yeah so that's that's my three main reasons and then got smaller here and there one another one's i really miss malaysian food <laughs> so Malaysian food here, but it's so expensive. You know, we we went out. I found this. Went for this Malaysian. Uh, we went to this Malaysian restaurant for for some chicken rice. It was fifteen dollars. That's sixty ringgit for a plate of chicken rice. You know, okay, but wow, I can buy so many plates of chicken rice in Malaysia with sixty ringgit. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, and, and I agree. I think a lot of us are also thinking about family and stuff at this time, right? And um, the whole situation. So it really sounds like you have been through quite a bit of growing over here in the US and a lot of reflection. Um, and, you know, after you have done all of these things, right, what is your biggest advice or pieces of advice that you would give to students who might be thinking of coming to the US to study or just studying abroad or maybe people who are in um, a similar boat as you are, where they are post-grad, thinking about what's next, what advice do you have for them? I think an advice for someone just starting out college, going abroad, or something I would tell my younger self too is, don't be afraid to fail. Like, you, you will face failure eventually, and it's better to face it earlier on and learn how to adjust and bounce back from it. Mm. Also, failure isn't necessarily a bad thing because it's you learn, okay, this this thing that I just did might not work out. Let's try it a different way. That's one advice. Uh, second advice would be don't don't be afraid to ask. It's okay if you don't know. Like yeah. you don't have to and then like there's no there's no stupid questions. So even if you think you're stupid, it's stupid, someone else probably won't think it's stupid. And yeah, as for advice for people who have just graduated that's in the same boat as me, um, it's okay to take the time to think about what you want to do in life. You don't have to you don't have to have your you don't have to have it figured out like immediately mm -hmm. it's okay to try different things and then along the way learn what your what fits well with you yeah 
Sorry, my stomach is growling. Can y'all hear it? No, you're hungry. Okay. If you can't hear it, then that's fine. <laughs> I was worried that my mic would catch it, you know. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> okay. Thanks so much, Megan. So if I can recap um, your, your lessons learned and also the advice that you have for our listeners, it would be, um, you know, don't be afraid to fail because failures help us to grow, help us to become better. Mm. And also to just ask, ask, and ask. There are no such thing as stupid questions, okay? And also to take the time that you need to figure out your life because there really is no rush, right? Yeah. Really right. great advice. And just a, a reminder of, you know, how your surrounding and upbringing can really influence your perspectives. But, you know, if you intentionally seek out alternate perspectives, like what we're doing here and, and hearing other people's experiences, you can really challenge those stereotypes or those cultural, social nor norms that you have been raised in. Yeah. Cool. So as we wrap up, I just want to say thank you, Megan, for your time. We you really enjoyed it. listening to your experiences and your uh, stories about breaking stereotypes and putting your mental health first. Mm -hmm. We wish you all the best in your future, Thank whatever you. you may be doing. And to all our listeners, um, especially to our students and young adults who are considering your next move, we hope that you had a few um, good takeaways from our conversation with Megan. Do share your thoughts with us by dropping a comment or a DM on our Instagram at Malaysians Abroad Podcast. Or you can also email us at malaysiansabroadpodcast at gmail.com. Stay tuned for our next episode. And until then, stay safe. Thank you, Megan. Thank you.